Ladies and gents, welcome to Season 3, Episode 8 of Book Record Beer. This is our uh, Pride Month episode. June is Pride Month, so we picked some uh, accordingly, I think. And uh, let's let's jump in. As always, I'm uh, met with my good buddies, Daniel DeFranco. That's me. Nick Gregorio. Hey, everybody. Hello. And uh, in the back, I think pl- probably playing some Nintendo, <laughs> taking taking notes, our scribe, my buddy and yours, Tom Bannon. Say hello from afar. Wow, that was That's just definitely the not getting meekest picked up. not getting picked up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think I heard it really. No. Uh, so, all right, let's get into it. Um, this episode, we are talking about uh, Garth Greenwell's story, The Frog King. We are looking at... That was uh, in the New Yorker in November. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the New Yorker. 20... Yes, the New Yorker. 18. The New Yorker. We haven't done a New Yorker have story. We? I think Ever? we may have done one mini episode with one. I, yes, we did. But we haven't done one in quite some time. It's a memorable so. story. You, you know, I think it's one of those things where uh, so many people get it that why not talk about it? People might uh, have, have read it. Yes. Um. And also, I think we need to uh, address that we are looking at a live album, finally, Oh, by Queen. This is Live Killers, uh, one of my favorites of all time. This was the album that pulled me into loving Queen quite a bit. Um, Not and live albums especially, too, because mm. as far as live albums go, this one... We'll talk about it. I have some shit to say. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is not to be confused with uh, a Killers album. Yeah, covering, covering Queen. I can't believe you would assume <laughs> that I would choose that. Yeah, I thought you're not a live Queen album. <laughs> Listen, I didn't say it, but I thought the same thing. I was like, Jesus, we're doing hot fuss. <laughs> we're doing hot fuss. <laughs> what the, fuck? the text just said, "What about me?" <laughs> leads you to that. Oh no, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the. Uh, she had know, a boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> the the, uh, the wannabe glam band from Las Vegas. I don't know. I thought I thought you were an eclectic fellow. <laughs> you know, I, there's I don't hate on the killers, but uh, I'm certainly not gonna pick them to do. <laughs> at all and take that how you this want. isn't just work <laughs> that you do <laughs> so uh our beer too is um which one did you uh, Dan, you grab that right yes yeah, uh anderson valley summer solstice summer solstice anderson valley in california right so our theme essentially is we have a story that involves travel though it's set during christmas time a lot of traveling going on there which happens in the summertime also uh, a member of the LGBT plus community, um, Garth, Mr. Greenwell, if you will. Uh, and then, of course, we have Queen. Yes, sir. I think, da- uh, or Nick, you could uh, probably speak to that movie a bit. Uh, I as can. Well. I would like to talk about that representation. And we can certainly as do well. that. Um, and then, uh, you know, Summer Solstice ties in because it just passed. Summer Solstice did We're just pass. We're in June. If, that's when it happens. If you're listening to this recently. Yeah, regardless of, yeah, you might be on the other side of the world and then you might have a completely (laughs) different view, but uh, let's jump in. So, uh, yeah, like you said, this was published in November, relatively recent in terms of uh, how stories go, but one of the things that I took from it was, I don't know if you guys did a single read or multiple reads. I read it when it came out. 
And then, of course, I was thinking, I was like, okay, let's let's do this one. Because when I first read it, I literally sat and went, I have no idea how I feel about this story, which was weird for me and a bit perplexing because that doesn't ever happen usually. So um, I thought that would be a good one to pick because I would love to talk with other people about it. And And you're an opinionated fellow. And when you can't immediately... It was very odd. Yeah, it was a little bit disarming. And um, and so one of the things that that came away for me on the second read was um, I started to notice that there are these touchstones, these Karens that go throughout the story, one of them being sleep. Uh, and I, I didn't know if, if that was a, you know, a standout uh, touchstone or piece for you guys to latch onto throughout the story. But essentially what we have here is a, a new love. Right. These two men are, uh, you know, in that honeymoon phase, if you will. Right. And they uh, decide to stay in Bulgaria. Sofia, the city, the capital. Right. Um, Number one. And uh, they decide to stay there when everybody else goes out on holiday during Christmas time. And then um, they do take a little bit of a holiday themselves um, and go to Italy for a bit. Um, Or as we in Philadelphia say it, Italy. Italy. No, the whole story takes place in Bologna. Right. I believe they're in Sofia for quite some time, especially in the beginning there. Mm. Right. Mm. I feel like they 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 immediately go to Bologna. Oh, they're like off because they want to be free away. They felt they they said that they even in and get the line up in a second. They said even in Sofia, they couldn't have the freedom they could have. Oh, right, right, right. right, right. Because that's uh, another thing that was a big uh, a big thing that I saw go throughout. But in any case, when we're. When we're getting into it, I think one of the things that was, again, a touchstone for me in the beginning was this idea of sleep. And R is, of course, the narrator's um, boyfriend at the time. And he uh, is said to have sleep as his uh, his natural state. Um, <laughs> and and so I don't I know like what, that sequence. Yeah. What, what were our thoughts on on sleep and its and its role in the in the story, I guess, to start? Well, it put me to sleep. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so initial reactions <laughs> to the story yeah. that Daniel was it's, knocked out. It's a very, very quiet story. This is a mm-hmm. workshop story for sure. You think so? A uh, very, very quiet story. Um, what do you mean by workshop story? Oh, like the type of story that would be written in, in an MFA program. Okay. And very well written. I, I, Mr. Greenwalk can I actually write some say sentences. The, the th- first thing that struck me is this is very beautifully written. Yeah. Very and beautifully. Anyway, and go ahead. And, and then you're not really sure what to do with the actual story because the language right. the presentation is is it's uh, gorgeous. yeah it's well done a plus plus uh, so but this idea of sleep yeah um, in the story they're they're on a vacation they're hiding from uh, their friends they're hiding from society yeah. they're they're sort of in a hibernation the relationship is not going to last did you get that sense yeah oh from yeah from the beginning you know the whole thing's sort of like a dream state sort of yeah. ideal oh, and you keep getting hammered with these big heavy metaphors of things that are impermanent right um and then the very you know heavy-handed uh burning of an effigy at the very end of the story which is like okay we get it the frog this, king this yeah. whole this whole uh escapade that you're on is is just a dream it's, it's not temporal, going yeah. to last it reminded me a bit in that way of um of uh before the devil knows you're dead Marissa Tomei and um, um, oh, he just passed away. He was in Schenectady and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Philip Seymour Hoffman, exactly right where she 
wants to go back to where they were on vacation to sort of bring the relationship back together. Right? And that's sort of the motivation for the film. The, I felt a lot of that uh, while reading this is, is this idea that like when you're on vacation, uh, when you're elsewhere removed, um, the reality of your life uh, is a way much like when you're in sleep. You know, I thought the power volume and everything else is turned up. Yeah. 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 Say that again. The volume on everything else that you're experiencing during that time when you're in that vacation dream state is very much um, more powerful and amplified. Uh, uh, amplified. Yeah, yeah. So that came through. Is actually one of my one of my notes here. Um, the story it 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 it, ev- it emotes this idea of of there's these large these there's these things that are large in very small spaces. Like their apartment is very small. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. The things that they do in the apartment and the things that they bring into the apartment, they seem very, very big for their little orbit around that part of their life, uh, their lives, and um, things are very loud in a quiet place as well. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll get, I'll get. I have a couple lines underlined. We'll, I'll, I'll, I'll read those later on. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, sleep shows uh, an ability to be very vulnerable. Like if you can fall asleep, you know, and maybe it's because I just watched the Sisters Brothers movie, and you know how uh, Charlie sleeps with his eyes open, yeah. right? Because he's he can't let himself be vulnerable. He, he's always on guard, and R um, is able to be asleep all the time. And I feel like when we're thinking about this, there shows a, a strength in being able to do that because you're comfortable enough or have accepted. You know yourself, life, circumstance, things like that, enough to just go to say. I think, why is this throughout the entire story? That's the thing that kept hitting me on like the second read. I was like, why does sleep show up every page? Well, it's only you know? it's only R. There's only two characters. One's unnamed, the narrator. Yeah, <clears throat> and then his lover R. Yeah, R is the one that's always asleep. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, and there's always this mention about R, and R seems so much more. I think. Uh, assured of himself and sort of comfortable a little frantic a little bit but more just because he wants to get everything he needs Mm -hmm. it it feels like he he wants to experience everything he wants to get everything i think to me that that contributed to the sense of this isn't going to last like this is temple because he's not going to be around for much longer and of course our narrator is just trying to hold on to every moment of r and with r Mm -hmm. you know watching him while he sleeps and different things like that they both know yeah, that, that it, this is not a. Uh, Have you ever been in a, a relationship like that where you, you you know that it there's it's not gonna uh-huh. last like you can almost look ahead and see the horizon line where it's it's gonna gonna end but you're just like fuck it you know what i mean like you just a minute right now this yeah. is this is this it could is a, you could have like days or, or weeks left and you just you're just trying it's to an odd sense it is and you're trying to savor yeah. it and you're both you both know yeah that's Some, sometimes you don't you know yeah i actually had a conversation once where we <clears> discussed <throat> that we knew that, like it was very out in the open like this isn't we know that and that was a little bit i don't know freeing and that's sort of the sense i got um from from these two was that there there is that sort of uh understanding but it's not it's not spoken it's it's just it's just there um and so sleep was the first thing that really struck me with that because i felt like in his own way r you know because while he's waking he's frantic and he's trying to get everything but i feel like the sleep was him trying to hold on to um that time a little bit 
Yeah, it can't end if you're asleep, right? Exactly. Exactly. Um, and I think, I don't know. I thought it doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> can't end if you're asleep yeah. until you wake up. <laughs> <laughs> Some like deep emo lyric or something. <laughs> um, there is there is this in the very beginning one of these really beautiful um, beautiful things that I I wanted to point out because I felt like oh, this is this is great, um, and it's talking about like just the the I think it goes to the beautiful language you know we can talk about that but also uh, this idea of what it feels like I felt like was really captured very well at the end of this uh, first passage. Um, and it reads, I felt like my heart would burst. Those were the words for it, the hackneyed phrase, and I was grateful for them. They were a container for what I felt, proof of its commonness. I was grateful for that, too, the commonness of my feeling. I felt some stubborn strangeness in, in me ease. I felt like part of the human race. And that's another thing that, and y- you know, when we look at the, the author, he has been sort of like praised um, for, you know, basically you know, uh, his publications bringing much needed attention to the LGBT experience in Bulgaria. Um, and that's one of the things that shows up when you look up his name, uh, that he's done pretty big things for that, though he's not from there, he's from Kentucky, um, but he lived there for quite some time and, you know, he writes about it. And um, I think that when we're looking at this, to me, yeah, the start is so beautiful in its commonness that this type of relationship should be viewed as normal, right? That it should be, sort of seen as such and the way he's presenting it does in the beginning it seems boring it seems if if you're a person who doesn't see anything wrong with that you see no difference right that it's just love uh but a lot of people don't i think it's hard to shake for for much of the society um that that is totally normal and you don't see it as odd or different and that he the narrator actually recognizes these things are all in play at once and and to say my heart would burst as such a hackneyed phrase Mm. right that i would say that's that's just um painfully beautiful i I guess another hackneyed phrase but like (laughs) it 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 really it really seemed to me like like wow that passage that i just read it 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 sums up so much that like they're very open they're very outward with their their love and affection for one another and that's a very tough thing uh to do and then also to have it be just articulated so well i just felt like that was such a that that encompassed for me much of what it seems like the entire story is meaning to do though not much happens in the entire story right yeah i i I had underlined the same exact passage you read did you really Uh, um and i took kind of an opposing view maybe it's because i'm you know an east coast all accepting libtard you sure, know yeah, i had yeah. my nice my, my nice latte you know <laughs> and uh <clears throat> and i said with the story i wrote this is my note uh i said the story tries to make significant what is common this is a worn tale uh slash trope of lovers on vacation feeling like they can be free and i think the only thing that made the story um different and maybe not uh I don't want to say boring because I, I think it is kind of boring still. But I think the only thing that made this story stand out than if it was uh, uh, heterosexual love is that there, he says there's hard cocks between them like right. five or six <laughs> times. There's a lot of thro- – he yeah. uses the word cock yeah. Yeah. a lot. Isn't that funny? And then there's the whole – like the, a very a long 
for my taste, a gratuitous sex scene that I think right. of it was heterosexual love. Like, all right, this is this is kind of really bad. So your past, that's the thing. I think when I looked at it, it's coming from it's bad sex writing. I think right. that's probably the larger issue. <laughs> sure. <laughs> right. I mean, for for, yeah, for that particular scene that you're noting. Are you but familiar with good sex writing? Does it exist? I don't know. I'm asking. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's, yeah, there's I, some I've, authors that, that can do it very artfully. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure necessarily sure that it even needs to be to be artful. There's something that needs to be elicited there. Like, artful to me, like, do you watch the erotica porn category? You know what I mean? Like, do you watch it for the lighting? No. Usually, no. You know what I mean? So, like, does it need I to be I happen to enjoy the story. <laughs> <laughs> I read the article. Um, so, I so buy the magazines. Jesus. Where the story was its most powerful, I think, is when uh, you, the, uh, what's his name? Greenwell? Yeah. Grant, Garth Greenwell? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when it was really just in your face that this is a different type of love and they are able to be free. And we're holding ours face. Every time that happened, I felt like that was that was such. Um, so to me, and not to derail you at all, do you have a thought? I don't want to. No, no, no. I don't want no, no, to switch the switch the thing. No, on the I, don't wanna, I don't want to do that. That's why I'm making a mental note. I'm trying to be better. Uh, <laughs> now we're creating into the, the 10 people instead of the two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. I like that. The trolley experiment. In any case, um, let's kill them all. No, the uh, the thing I was going to say is. What? This is a, <laughs> this is a, there's like a person who's going to be like, oh, I know exactly what that whole train of thought yeah. was. Um, it's but, Eric Weingarten. He's running <laughs> up a trail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. He's going to be like, oh, I know what he's saying. Um, I've heard that video through my classroom wall a million times. He's from Kentucky. Yeah. Greenwell. Right. And, you know, when we see what he's doing here, I think. And 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 I thought this, and then I look him up, and I see, oh, this is one of those things we're, we're talking about, right? He's making things uh, uh, appear in a way that you, as a progressive-minded Daniel person, um, see naturally. Mm-hmm. So so it does come across as 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 somewhat mundane or boring or or, or just you know um, I don't want to say superficial because it's not. There is depth there, but that the the what what you're getting is what you're being given. Kind of thing, but I think what's extra there is that my God, like he's in a place and he's doing things. The narrator that um, is 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 every moment could be just just this nervous ball of anxiety. Like if you think about before you kiss somebody, mm-hmm. before you had ever done that, the the ball of anxiety you are. You know, and and I know I know now I'm I'm nearly 35 and it was the this year was the first time I said anything to my students about being bisexual. And 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 I think back to being a child and thinking, oh, uh, if I was with hanging out or or being with uh, a boy, it was like hidden somewhere and, and I could hold a girl's hand in public. Right. And when I look at this, this is what I'm seeing him do is like this holding a face in public is huge. How many times have you walked down the street and I don't know, seen even in Philadelphia, gay couples like unclasp their hands, depending on what neighborhood you're in when you walk by or something like that. You know, I've seen that happen and I, it doesn't hurt. It's like, God, you think that you, you, that, that, that can't be something that you 
are outward and open about. And and that's what, upon second read, I really saw him doing so much more there. And so while, you know, you're noting it is like very sort of mundane. It's a it's a pretty boring story. The story but, itself, sure. Once you I you, you take a step back and you you look at the um, I guess the the political implications of it. Um, it's that that is profound. And I don't think it got published because he's been like a critic for the New Yorker or anything like that. I think that it 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 was it was published because because of that because it had this extra because that was the thing after I first read it I was like how the fuck on earth did this make its way through at what is it, 15 pages or something like that? It's, big. it's a long story. Yeah, it's a long it's story. Big. And 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 it and it seems to go on, but it has all this beautiful language that yes. you continue to read, right? And I'd like to speak that for a, a moment because I didn't find this boring um, at all. I, the the emotional hook is almost instant. And, yeah. and I like and I enjoy stories that are immediately able to put me in a time and place that I experienced a certain yeah. thing. Yeah, and yeah, this yeah. does it immediately. Uh, and extraordinarily well with very beautiful language. I will say this about the story. It, it's a New Yorker story. Yeah, so what do you mean on, by that? Um, Everyone knows, right? <laughs> it, it's, Maybe not everybody that is listening. That's, it is, okay. um, it's very beautiful. Right. You can say it is objectively good. Well-crafted. Yes. Yeah, um, if you were to present it, and like Daniel pointed out before, yes. like a workshop or something yes. like that. But it has wow, that's fucking well done. You New did Yorker, all of the things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. New Yorker almost has a, a house style at this point, right? And this is like what it's it comics, is. right? Yeah. And this is what it is. Um, now, I like long, slow stories in which nothing happens. This is your jam. I've re- yeah, and so it was. This is your jam. But back to back jams. You know, uh, I talked last year. I read uh, Fates and Furies by Lauren Groff. Um, it was one of might be one of my favorite novels I've ever read. It is extraordinarily slow. Um, okay. It is gorgeously written. And at the same time, it was astonishing to me. But if I handed that to somebody who, I don't know, um, just a regular dude yeah. or a regular lady yeah. um, or anything else in between, they, it, they would find it boring. Right. Um, I think it's a, a, this is a writer's story. I think that's a writer's book. There you go. Yeah, um, so that's that's something to be said too. Yeah. Because I mean, we're talking about an author who has one novel out, and it was praised as the 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 first great novel of 2016. Look, I can't. I can probably tell you that if I read the whole thing, I'd probably like. I can see why. Sure. You know. Yeah. Because he he just has that thing that people want out of something from the New Yorker. Yeah. Or something that is considered to be high art. Yeah, and I think the that's actually that last part is 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 the thing there is is by the time, like I feel like how I felt at the end, people see that as being, um, like a mark that that you've read something that's high art or like that you've profound. read something profound. Right. Whereas I think I know myself well enough now to go, like if I hadn't if I read it the second time and felt the same way, I would have been like, nah, it's just a boring story. Yeah. Um. But because I started to see a little bit underneath and what was going on, I thought, "Oh yeah, yeah, this is this is doing something a little bit more." But it's such a it's a razor thin line, sure. You know, like because sometimes it's just no, somebody just followed the formula. Yeah, they hit all the things like Daniel said, and they got through. But it's not it's not a good story. 
this well, I would say is a good story. I would say I would agree. And on top of that, I uh, stories that um, evoke emotions that I've felt profoundly yeah. um, that are also outside of my experience, sure. considering the circumstances that are in the story, I find even more powerful. The beautiful thing about this is that it, I feel like it, it it's sort of when you talk about new love is such a universal thing. Yeah. Like, because that's the thing that hooks everybody. Everybody remembers it. Experience. Everybody like, remembers it. You do a it. great job of that in one of your flashbacks in Good Grief. I remember feeling, oh, they're right at the, when they're at the dance, oh. I remember feeling like, holy shit, he nailed that shit. Literally everything that I think I, I felt. stopped and wrote a fucking <laughs> post-it note. Yeah, well, it, it's, it is the truest thing. It's like, if you can dredge up those those first time feelings yeah like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's powerful shit what's well, like good grief by nick gregorio available at malden house <laughs> yes yeah. indeed that, it is that's what it is <laughs> are you referencing yeah. okay that's Just it that, sure. that, that thank you daniel <laughs> <laughs> nicely done um yeah no that 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 to me was was one of those things i find it just sort of fascinating to think about i don't know like did you ever uh, hear about what's his, he? I think he's from Sweden, and he writes these really huge tomes. Oh yes, named uh, my struggle. Yes, yes. yes, I have the first volume. So what did you think? I haven't read it yet. I haven't and, read it either. And I I wanted to bring that up after reading this, and I go, yes. oh, because this seems like people are fascinated by him yes. and that work. That it's just it's his life, almost verbatim. Yes. Right. And, but it's beautiful. And people say it's beautifully written. I haven't read it. I, said, I was hoping that someone yeah. would have read it. He makes no. the the apparent from what I've read. Everybody who's read it says he makes the mundane, like, feel like a transcendent experience. And right. that's pretty cool. That is pretty fucking. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> it absolutely is. And I um I wondered if I don't think that this necessarily does that, but I wondered if there were any parallels. So I think people have perhaps. done it better than this. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. Tom Spanbauer does this yeah 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 in a shockingly more powerful way yeah i would agree but this is a good story um like but like i said it's a new yorker story this is what you're gonna get in the new yorker yeah yeah <laughs> I, I think where um greenwell is I, I don't know why i can't hold his name in my head that is his name greenwell okay yeah um you've said it right every time i know <laughs> <laughs> i just trust myself uh i think where he he also succeeds is when r uh, pushes back against the uh, fantasy that they're living in. Yeah, like he when not you know he's sleeping and they're everything is you know uh, very um, exciting. You're talking about the bus stop, maybe? Huh? The bus stop scene. Oh, the bus stop scene was good too. Um, but I'm talking. I'm going to read this bit here. Okay? Sure. Um, this is when <laughs> R <afraid>. is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to read this fucking scene. Shut up. Yeah. You could shut the fuck up. <laughs> Uh, R is lamenting that they don't get to make any any uh, choices for themselves. Uh, he says, we don't get to choose anything, he'd say then. We think we do, but it's an, illu an illusion. We're insects. We get stepped on or we don't. That's all. When he talked like this, yeah. there was nothing I could do. Uh, anything I did made it worse. Whether I got angry or sad or tried to make him feel my own happiness, the happiness I felt so often just looking at him as he slept or read or stared at the screen of his laptop. It was an immovable force, this mood that has descended on him sometimes. And I worried that it was descending on him now, et cetera, et cetera, and that it would darken the rest of our day. Yeah, and and, they were, and it was done, yeah. And that mood just descends upon them. He, he, it's either in pure ecstasy, and I'm just going to uh, grab you in public, and yeah. we'll do some naughty sex acts, 
or it's complete despair. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. Or sleeping. But even at the at the bus stop scene, R grabs the narrator and passionately kisses him, right? And the yep. narrator feels this this power of this moment and, that's and that takes it to the next bit. step, right? Yeah. He reaches down, starts feeling for in Greenwell's words, <laughs> cock. <laughs> you know? And R pushes him away and mm-hmm. tells him to behave. Because that's that's that. Right. Yep. It's exactly that. Yeah. 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 It's it's I don't know for R is really interesting. I I didn't think that we ever get um, their ages. R is never going to be happy. But I felt like, this is where I was going, uh, R is is much younger. And I don't think we ever get a sense of what their ages actually are. Mm -hmm. But for for me, the, the, the narrator feels much older and R much younger. And in that sort of like stage of life where that um because i can definitely sympathize with that that sort of darkness sure. falling on you you know and 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 then you're you're unable to be sort of like broken free from it until you are do it on your to yourself you know what i mean and you're sure. able to break free yourself so i i felt like there was there was an age difference there and i don't know i i also felt like the narrator is is certainly and this is one of the, the final things I wanted to bring up was like, what are our thoughts on when it seems an author has surely put a ton of themselves into a story? Um, because for me, I don't know Greenwell at all. Um, this is the first and only thing of his that I've read. I do know that he's a hyper educated person. He has like an MFA from one place is a minor in like, gay and lesbian studies from NYU or New York University of some kind, I think. He has an MFA from somewhere else. He went to the Iowa Writers Workshop. Ah, there it is. Exactly. Iowa New Yorker. Exactly. So <laughs> so he has he has all this stuff yeah. that makes him this sort of like very polished observer. And when we get the narrator, I just feel like there's no distance between our author and our narrator. And that was one of my major sort of negative critiques that I got there because I go, when I look at this tiny blurb of who you are on paper, right, Graham, Garth, sorry. Uh, Greenwell. Greenwell, <laughs> yeah. I, it was just the alliterative thing. Dan fucked um, you up when he was talking about it. It's like, I can't remember his name. I know, dude. And he then I, I knew it. Garrett. And now I got to look at it a million times. Yeah. Listen, Goebbels. Um, and I, other G word, I don't know. Uh, why wow, that popped into my head, but <laughs> <It was> weird. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but but that was the thing where I I really felt like oh the 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 more you read on this is this this narrator is such an observer yeah. that I'm like oh this is this is the lens that an author should certainly have but I'm just seeing that it, it, it just seemed too close yeah. like like this is the the kind of thing I would expect like are you the same person kind I, of thing I choose to actively um, disengage with that type of thinking. Mostly because um, I've gotten questions in my own about yeah, my own it's writing. Yeah, so fucking annoying. It's like, is this you? Did you experience this? Like, dude, you just discounted my ability to make shit right, up and right, imagine right, right, it. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I tend because I've I've become. You think angry, it's belittling? It is. Yeah. It, it, it's it's just not. I mean, this is a it's a fictional piece. Absolutely. You know, and you want to you want to give the writer the due and. Yeah. 
you know, I, I'm I'm firmly of the mindset you write what you don't know and try it. And right. Make, yeah. Make it feel like you do. Um, Absolutely. And that's where yeah. I think I, I, I'm, I'm of that mind. And I, I felt like it was difficult for me to yeah. do what you're saying. Yeah. For this. Mm-hmm. That, that was the thing that that messed me up. And I think it's because I have some thing where like the more education one has, it just seems like you're going to be producing New Yorker type stuff. Mm. You know what I mean? And and or you're going to be so wildly in your own realm. Yeah. You're gonna be infinite jesting us, you know, and, <laughs> and and that's but that's the thing is like I I I felt like this was, um, just just close, and I I had trouble removing hmm. what I what I thought and what I knew, um, from one another. Yeah. So I don't know that that was that was sort of my my negative critique was I felt like they were a little too close. But were you able to remove yourself, Daniel? I didn't really think that <clears throat> it was. Um, Greenwell or or the narrator. I just I just read it as the narrator. Yep. Yeah. Um, sure. It's it never that never just really crossed my mind. It's like here's a story. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I, I perhaps it was just something that I pulled from like having read it again. You know, sometimes yeah. like a second read after you you know. Look at well, that I read stuff it twice and I didn't once look up who the guy was. I just wanted to mm. kind of experience the story on its own terms without right. You know, infusing it with you stuff know information you know. about yeah, the author. Yeah, absolutely. That was. I, I guess I made a misstep there. Um. No, I don't <laughs> think so. I mean, uh, it, talk about Spanbauer's I Loved You More. It's considered a biographical novel, but the word novel in and of itself suggests it is fictional. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. So uh, the, uh, calling well, it that is too is just, a, what, a story from a life sure. that can have these or sure. creative nonfiction. And, and that's, I get into arguments frequently with people like the, they didn't like a movie because like, oh, it wasn't. You know, it was based on a true story or didn't tell the actual story. Fucking bitch. That's ridiculous. Like, they're trying to fit this <laughs> shit into a narrative. Life doesn't have a narrative. Right. You know, yeah. to tell a story. If you just had two hours of a life, it'd be a terrible movie. It wouldn't make sense. No, exactly. Because yeah, you'd have no right. context. You'd nothing. Right. So like when He's just buying tomatoes. That's how it ends. <laughs> <laughs> and how awesome. do we think that ties into the Frog King? So this is how I think it ties into the Frog King. I'm, I'm glad you brought it back, Daniel. Um, <laughs> when we're looking at the Frog King... It's titled and focused on um, th- this tradition, mm-hmm. right? So w- what do we have? Uh, really, when we look at it, what endures memory and tradition are, are, are those two things that, that, that sort of exist. This relationship we know won't exist beyond much longer. However, the memory of this relationship right, will probably be a fond one. Uh, and and perhaps this is the memory of the relationship. If doesn't <laughs> seem very what, fond. What I was saying is true. I think it is though. Well, I think there's fondness and sadness yeah. in memories like this. Yeah, and and to be perfectly honest, love is is like ninety percent sadness and and <laughs> and and ten percent bliss. Right. right, like that's, and I right. think that the, those two wash out. You know, they. Well, even I think out. the bliss is what people <laughs> is why people still want to do it. Like, <laughs> why would you subject you subject yourself right. to that? Right, over and over again. Um, and so, th- so, in, in in my head, I think it accurate, re- accurately represents love in that way. And yeah, to t- to tie it back in, what do we have? We have memory. We have tradition. These are the things that that endure. This is what we're focused on. This is this is sort of the tie in. Um, and I don't know what were your thoughts on on the title. I know Daniel. I was actually going to wrap. I wanted to end with asking you this because you care quite a bit about titles, rightly so. Um, what did you think of of this being titled as such? The Frog King. The Frog King. 
Uh, it stinks. You heard it here first, folks. You heard it here. You heard it here. Title. That's what it is. I mean, right. Well, right. It's, it's, it's an it's, Iowa workshop title. It is so on the goddamn fucking right, nose. Right. Yeah. That was my problem with it. Yep. Iowa. Yeah. And that, that's that's <laughs> actually my final thought on this whole thing. We should we have to we're actually out of time, so let's yeah. wrap it up. Final yeah. thoughts. My my final thought was um I thought it did many things well. I thought that it was brilliant in being able to to put out um something that was from a dude from Kentucky's perspective or, or people like, like I understood that from having grown up where I grew up. Like that's what it felt like to me. I understood why it was such a powerful thing to grab him or hold his face. And that really stuck with me. Like that, that these things are being done out in the open. Um, and so, so, you know, and, and that's why I picked it for the June episode um, because I, I, I really was moved by that. Um, but overall as a story, I would, I would say, little too on the nose yeah so beautifully written a little yeah. too on the nose yeah. so like i said i stories like this just called me slow stories about very common things um, i can't believe you haven't read my struggle that i have it stuff yet i have it yeah i haven't but um regardless i um i've read better stories that do the same thing sure um and not to shit on the new yorker or iowa they produce really good work this just wasn't in my top 10 of stories right. like this right absolutely. it's good it's worth a read and if you have you, if you look it up on the website you can listen to uh garrett gantrew Thank uh you. read <laughs> read it <laughs> it is garth, garth greenwell garth greenwell <laughs> read it and i listened to it and it's very good i'm so glad you mentioned that because i made a note to mention it and yeah. i didn't do it yeah did yep. you like it better having it being read to you yes <laughs> okay all right there you have it. yeah i did yes yeah. absolutely Wonderful. All right. All right. Moving right along. Let's take a break, and then we'll come back and uh, talk uh, the killer's queen. <laughs> <laughs> queen. Live killers. That's what it's about. It's about the, the songs that kill live. All of right. all people. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. Oh, I get it. <laughs> He's a titleman. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are back, ready to talk about Something I love. Can I ask you a question before we start? Dearly, absolutely. Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Yeah, I'm not joining Called in with this. In <laughs> landslide, no escape. <laughs> um, That's as good as dead air. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, this, is, this is Queen, ladies and gentlemen. Um, one of the, the greatest as as <laughs> rock bands. Hard rock bands, right? And they were glam hard. bands. But here's the thing: glam gets a lot of, a lot of guff, a lot of, uh, a lot of naysaying. I hope that you guys, after having listened to, because did anybody listen to this album previous? Anybody? No. no. All right. Neither. Neither. Did you think, oh shit, uh, Queen rocks even harder than I thought? I did not think that once I, when i heard this what i didn't either uh we will rock you's like three times faster um they open with it it's no boom boom tss. it's like yeah it's awesome i don't want to shit on your parade yet you can by all means i i do really i i have a and you know what my um 
my uncle, who is the uh, musician who, who used to jam with me all the time when I was a little kid, he's like one of the only other musicians in my family, he loved Queen, saw them open for a bunch of bands way back in the day. Uh, and he would always say, you know, you got to listen to Queen. They're, they're, they're fucking great. Is that third? And I didn't until I was a little bit older. And this was the first album that he played for me. Uh, um, and I remember thinking, whoa, yeah. like, that's not what I hear on the radio. That shit, that, they wail, man. Like, that, that shit rocks. Because here's the thing. Brian May annoys me with his precision on the albums. Live, he's like shredding. Precision and, annoys you? Precision annoys me. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, those diva notes. No, thank oh, you. He's it's so beautiful. I think get it's out of my face. His, his get out of oh, my face. His harmonies and orchestration. This is why I like Jimmy Page. Sloppy. I don't rips. think Brian May sloppy live though. I don't know. What he's not sloppy live. He's dirty. Yeah. You can be precise and dirty, and then you're in my. Well, he had a little English to it, you know. Yeah. Just a little. You mean like is that a joke? No. Well, <laughs> no, it's a pool term. <laughs> yeah, and a little spin on the ball. A little you polish. Know? Yeah, a little <laughs> polish on that. Peace. Um, um, no, so uh, we are going to be talking about Queen's Live Killers. And it is a live album. Uh, some of the, you know, just to give you a sense, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of their, their hits, essentially. It's the, the ones that kill live, obviously. Um, and the band uh, live? What's that? They kill the band live? They, uh, <laughs> they kill the audience. Yeah. <laughs> Papa Scruff. So, so it's uh, 22 songs um, released in June 1979. Uh, I will say this to you guys' point. It received tons of negative uh, criticism when it came out. Well, I, I don't think it, I have one. I'm sorry. No, it's continue. I have one criticism of this album, and it has nothing to do with the album. I just don't like live records. Oh, okay. Uh, like, period. No, uh, yeah, you, you can fuck yourself and walk upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> I think it uh, the immediacy of live theater by going to a show is... It doesn't transfer un- as well, does it? Right, it is yeah. unable to be translated. Unless you're Peter Frampton. Then it, <laughs> and, then it, and then it opens up your whole career. <laughs> Frampton comes yeah. alive. Because yeah. <laughs> um, all the songs in this are fucking great. Yeah. They're awesome. However, I just uh, couldn't get into it. No, it just doesn't do it for me. Can I read a paragraph from the Rolling Stone review of this album? The original one? Yeah. 79, go for it. Which I agree with. Go for it. Um, Yeah. If Live Killers by Queen serves any purpose at all, it's to show that, stripped of their dazzling studio sound and Freddie Mercury's shimmering vocal harmonies, Queen is just another Earthsat Led Zeppelin combining cheap classical parody with heavy metal bollocks. Using a recorded version of Bohemian Rhapsody in their show may be Queen's typically uncompromising way of taking care of business. So I don't know if I agree a hundred percent with that. Yeah, it was a little brutal. Jesus. But the Queen that I That's know and love yeah. is the Queen of the studio. The hyper produced Queen has to be. Yeah, yeah. And listen, if I was He still in hits all the thing is, even without all the overdubs. He's hitting all those notes. Yeah, if I was in the arena you know? and the 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 force you of shit your pants, it'd be I it, to Gregorio's point. Right, you've got to be in the arena. It's right. got to be happening to you. You can't. Yes. Right, it's the immediacy. It's weird because I completely agree with you. Yeah, I. And yet you're a live albumman. I'm a live albumman, and I go to shows constantly for exactly what you're talking about. I think the reason I'm a live albumman, and this is actually just 
dawning on me right now is because uh, as a drummer, you can't um, figure out what is being played, right? Or how it's being played, rather. You couldn't when I was learning drums. There was no YouTube videos and shit like that, right? So you had to put on the album. And I preferred listening to the live album because for some reason the drums were in the mix in a way that I could figure it out easier. Hmm. So I read about this. The, they were not happy with the mix. Right. It's a little muddy. Yeah. And when I was listening to it, it, it just lacked the certain punchiness that you get when you listen to almost any Hendrix live album. Right. Um, yeah. yeah, when yeah. You listen, Hendrix in the West. Yeah. Yeah. When yeah, you yeah, listen to really um, what's another great live album. Um, well, you know what was a good re- album, live album, and y- you're going to make fun of me and shit on me, um, and I don't care. The Eagles, well, Hell Freezes Over? No, uh, Dave Matthews Live at Red Rocks. Oh. Right, that was a really good live album, because I love, listen to me, Carter Buford, Carter Buford on the drums, he's one of the greatest <laughs> drummers of all time, and I love, 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 love to listen to everything he does. Hold on one second. And, uh, yeah, all right, whatever. <laughs> God, whatever you're gonna say he go put his it. finger one on of the I, main I, yeah, reasons i dislike live albums is because dickheads in high school would play that 87 minute long version of crazy game of poker by oar oh, and i fucking wanted to put my head through glass every time that's i heard not what it. we're talking about i know i'm just saying we're talking <laughs> about queen we're, t- we're, t- we're talking about <laughs> oar is a dave matthews band rip that's People what they did yeah, play that song are. at they the bar are. yeah and i'd give them three and a half minutes and then I'd skip it. <laughs> and if anybody, Good. that's what should happen. And if yes. anybody ever complained, I'd give them. A, I'd slide a dollar across the bar. Here's your money back. Absolutely. That's such great dick. That's the way you <laughs> handle that. Yeah. 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 What a cock. Out of my tip jar. Too. <laughs> turn right around. Right anyway, tip Nick, jar. I apologize for cutting you off. Continue. No, no, that's that's absolutely fine. And I actually just realized I never introduced us as a Queen album, which is what I wanted to do. Uh, oh. So, so as like part of their canon. Yeah, I mean it is, right? It, I, it is, but it is kind of a black mark on their canon, and that's that's kind of why I wanted to look at it. one because it's a live album, but also two because I think I think that it fucking wails. Like every song is a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. Like it's a true live album. Like every song is a little bit faster. I get a sense of the intensity, and I think it might be also because my uncle Mark always like talked about Queen as being the best live band. He's like, if you fucking see Queen live, you're not going to know what to do with yourself. It's You're, you're, you're going to get your ass kicked. Party on, Wayne. And, Hard. And that that was Cox. always <laughs> it was always what he said. And I was like, fucking A right, man. You know, I, I just, I uh, I always had to think, for, I think they're awesome. In any case. Sounds uh, like nostalgia. The nostalgia is what's really. No, because that's the thing. I, I checked myself before suggesting yeah. it because I go, oh, is this just nostalgia? I listened to it again. Fucking We Will Rock yeah, You comes in a double time, and I go, well, no, that's just awesome. Yeah. And I'm gonna fucking, <laughs> I, 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 there's it's a no two ways about that. It's a different, it's a different song, song entirely. Yeah. And the guitar rips on it yeah. in a way that it does not on that studio. And I get the polish. It's a maybe more listenable song for a lot of people. It's much more poppy. But when it's fucking moving the whole time, at that speed, I just fucking love it. Buddy, you're a boy, make a big noise, driving in the street, gonna be a big man someday. Yeah. It's so fucking cool. It is cool. Daniel, you are a knight at the opera. Oh, are we being introduced as Queen albums? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you're 100% a knight at the opera because I think you're the only person I know who I would, I would guess has been to the opera. I have. 
Ah. <laughs> 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 Nailed it. Um, also, it has it That's has awesome. it has all those uh, highly produced uh, tracks, right? Oh, uh, on it. Um, Bohemian really Rhapsody great. and on and on and on. And the on. voice is just an instrument, people. Yeah. Give yourself the gift of opera. <laughs> I've been really tempted to go just to see what it's all about uh, yeah. recently. I'll go with you. But it's 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 an expensive endeavor too, isn't Listen, it? Yeah, birthday, a couple bucks, couple couple movie tickets. I'm not uh, scoffing <laughs> it. It's just like the way that you knew Daniel so well. <laughs> I, I felt I feel like these I'm pretty I'm pretty accurate with. Uh, Nick, you are sheer heart attack. Ah, that makes which sense. I just feel like the, t- the title alone uh, needs no more explanation. <laughs> yeah, but it also has Killer Queen on it, yeah, which, a. which is a fucking badass song. It's a great song. Tom Bannon, you are jazz uh, because it has <laughs> bicycle race and fat bottom girls on it, wow. which uh, I just feel like is is super Tommy. Have you listened to Between the Barrett and Me? Yes. They put out a cover album about twelve years ago, mm. and Bicycle Race is no on it. Shit, and they. Fucking crush it, crush it! Bicycle. Oh, ah, dude, it's so good. Do they do that vocally? They do or? all of it. No shit. Yep. Tommy Giles cool. is a fucking brilliant vocalist. In any case, all right. So you are. Nick, are, are we? Is this, is this where we're landing? You are. Hot space. <laughs> <laughs> also perfect. Also <laughs> only, perfect. Mostly because this basement is sweltering. Yeah. The and air this feels is like, like a, skin. This is yeah. <laughs> touching my skin. And it's got and it's got under pressure on it, which mm-hmm. was a good uh welcome back to the US for them. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. You're so, absolutely right. So I I, I don't want to take away from Queen's live show cuz I, I I can appreciate that uh if I was there during some of these recordings it would right. probably have been fucking bonkers. Yeah. But the recording yeah. of it, the album that we're talking about doesn't it just come doesn't, across it doesn't way, come yeah. across as the way Frampton Anything by Hendrix. Uh, I think by the I time this came out is. in 79, uh, the mix, they were in a new studio. Well, perhaps. They mixed it all in their studio in Switzerland for the first time ever. Yeah. Um, when did the song Remains the Same come out? So Remains the Same came out in 76. Yeah, so that's three years before this. Mm-hmm. So Queen decided to do it all on their own for this one. Also, Queen was like, we look back at Queen and they're so huge. Right, and we get that from their music, and, and the night at the opera is so huge, and everything's so big with these harmonies and and and, and all this. It, it sounds big to us, and they were, but they were a minor band. Yeah. They were opening for Kiss and shit. You know what I mean? Like they were a minor band during their time up until I think that's why to speak to the the, the movie that it, the movie um, that just came out about. Queen, Bohemian Rhapsody, which is really that was about Freddie. That movie was. About if it Freddie. was about Freddie, he would have been a bisexual and not a gay man. Oh, I, probably. I can get into that. In <laughs> you know what I mean? Like totally it would have accurately represented his yeah, sexuality. But it it was way. about Freddie. Like, but let's not get it twisted. Right, right. Because Queen is Freddie, essentially. Right. With 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 Brian May guesting. Um, mm, <laughs> I don't know. We have that's another conversation. Okay. Um, Taylor and Deacon were just as much. Yeah, I think what is he the which one's the drummer? Uh Taylor. Taylor is a fantastic drummer and I felt like he had a lot of creative input on that movie. Yeah. It felt like. In any case, well the I, yeah, I, I they think did. Queen was a band that was all four parts needed to be there. Right. And and Freddie actually I was watching a bunch of interviews cuz there was like a deluge of of Queen and Freddie stuff when that movie came out. 
and I was watching a bunch of interviews with him, and one of the things that he says is, um, I thought this would be over in five years, and here we are 10 years later. He's, he he kind of alluded to the fact that he would be doing something solo or on his own after five years with Queen, and that was a stepping stone of sorts. And then he goes, 10 years later, I'm having a fucking blast, and and this is what we actually should be doing. Like, this is, we are parts of a whole, essentially, is what he was mm-hmm. saying, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, but I guess the thing is that performance that they had at Live Aid, right, is is a huge part of that, if I'm not mistaken. Of the movie. Of the movie. Yeah, it's a framing device for it. <clears throat> and so that really was, and my, I remember my uncle telling me this, like where they weren't opening up for Kiss anymore, where it became, not that that was a tour, <laughs> but it, for a little bit. Uh, they were already they by then headlining these massive, massive, massive arenas into their own in the public consciousness is what yeah. I was saying, like in in a way that because and and this is a, a perhaps a subjectively informed opinion, but my uncle basically said like they had an audience for sure, but it wasn't a Led Zeppelin type audience or the Queen that we know now <coughs> until kind of after that hmm. you know until until they had proved themselves in that m- really huge way and stolen the show from these other really huge acts at the hmm. time um and i don't know if that how accurate that is he's been pretty dead on my whole life but <laughs> i think that well, queen a year later they sold out um so queen a year later they sold out wembley stadium you know which was also a mu- uh, that was a huge show for them yeah yeah um so, so i don't know been one of their last wow like yeah. as a you know as a unit, as a like unit, that. yeah, yeah. Um, any thoughts on the on the movie? Because I know you, yeah, uh, Nick. I do. Um, <clears throat> if anybody who hasn't seen it, um, Bohemian Rhapsody is fine. Uh, music's good. Uh, Remy Malik is super good. Music's good. <laughs> Coors Light, Yellow Bellies. <laughs> anyway, um, the issue I had with it is that they 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 Disneyfied it. You know, what right? I mean? This All is what the, I heard. Yes, um, they made it. Uh, very very watchable for everyone, right. and what a there was shame. a lot of untoward. Well, there There's, was a lot of untoward. I, I, what I mean that by that is you don't get the essence of a rock and roll band. Yeah, you know what I mean. There's the, uh, you're not PG if you're a rock and roll is, band, especially right? And in it's, it's PG thirteen. It's That's not the not Doors movie, you know. Well, it's it's also not even Rocket Man because yeah. Rocket Man, which is brilliant and was directed by the guy that took over for Brian Singer on Bohemian Rhapsody after Brian Singer turned into a fucking idiot. Um, I don't know what you mean by that. Brian Singer is was fired through three quarters of the filming of Bohemian Rhapsody. No shit. Yes. It's pretty um, much his movie. Right. It is his movie. Yeah. Um, but he was fired because he had a very bad relationship with Remy Malek. Um Dozens of allegations of rape, um, what? Lots of stuff. Yeah, lots he got, of bad he got news. Me too. Pretty bad. Yeah, oh, Jesus. And, and like he, so the the fellow that they got to replace him, essentially had to finish Brian Singer's movie and his vision of it. You come to Rocket Man, which was done by the director, the replacement director, and he leaned in to Elton do, John's. Do we have a name for this Sexuality, guy? right? I don't. Not off the top of my head. He leaned into it. And yeah. it made it just such a, a much more genuine film. Um, awesome. And, uh, uh, and leaps and bounds better. Now, it's still Dexter quintessential. Fletcher. There it is. Um, it's still quintessential biopic 
movie. Sure. You know what I mean? It doesn't yeah. really break break from that mold. But what Queen, what Bohemian Rhapsody was afraid to do, Rocket Man jumped into, and I gotta applaud that. Awesome, that. yeah. Because yeah. there was a lot of backlash, and I actually, I really wanted to see Bohemian Rhapsody. You still can. Um, when it came out, I could. <laughs> um, but I, but I, I, I literally saw so much about like Freddie's not being represented properly. There's all this going on, and and just being me, I, 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 that stopped me in my tracks, and I, I didn't go see. Even though clearly, I love Queen. Well, it was quite a, it a was bit, a movie to you know. see in the theater. You should have done it. Yeah, unfortunately. yeah. I for did the music, correct? Because yeah. then I heard. Oh yeah. Afterward, Cinematography when I, when I didn't see live it, well, I heard that the the band were like on call yeah. to get all the sound design and, yeah. and everything sort of properly done with that, and I was like, ah, oh, fuck. It, From a production standpoint, it's very you know why? Cool. Probably to tie it back in, they were like, "Killers Live" <laughs> <laughs> was live. Killers n- <laughs> was was not killing when people bought the album. Yeah. Uh, let's mix this goddamn movie properly. Oh, and it's it does sound really forty good. years later. Yeah, it's real. It's it's Queen music. Nobody's actually right. Everything's a lip sync. I don't want to hear Rami. Yeah, well, because he can't. Well, nobody can. Not like that. Yeah, no one can. There's these awesome stories. So when that like Deluge interviews and stuff came out, there was a interview uh, with May, and he was like, I forget what fucking song it was, but uh, uh, Freddie was hammered. And and May was like, brother, you can't record this now. And he goes, watch me. <laughs> Went up and destroyed the vocals. <laughs> and I forget what fucking song it was, but it's like one of those classic, you know, stories about Freddie just being, yeah. being the man. Um, in defense of the movie, um, I did not. Ooh, I, did, <laughs> I don't provocative. Hate it. <laughs> I, don't even, I don't hate it. Yeah, I did not see it in the theaters. Um, I got so. Up. I got did a hold of a, I got a hold of a screener, <laughs> and a buddy of mine he writes uh, reviews and he's part of the academy now, so he gets he gets screeners. So, Woo! Um, Daniel Pro- DeFranco, you braggadocious. So we named my first rap album braggadocious. <laughs> Produc- provocative braggadocious. A friend of mine. Is part of the academy. Yeah. <laughs> so I have like a brag on That's myself. Yeah. That's like the intro the, track. Like, like the weakest. A dude I know. The weakest braggadocio. Has some inside yeah. connection. <laughs> I could hook up at the deli. <laughs> I would respect that more. Yeah. So, um, you every, can get your capicola for really great price. And in January, after, uh, you know, I teach music for the listeners that don't know. I teach English and music. I do it's a only winter. Eric Weingarten at this point. That knows. <laughs> um, so we have a concert in December, and then we go on break, and then we come back, and as a nice segue into the second half of the school year, we, we watch a movie. Music one. <laughs> <laughs> music. <laughs> listen, you got to ease, ease them in. Music one, we watch Whiplash, so we can. I want to get them motivated yeah. to like really. Or terrified. Yes, yeah, either way. Whiplash yeah. is good. Always have a firm grip on a chair during that movie. Yeah. Um, this year we watched Bohemian Rhapsody with uh, the upperclassmen who had already seen Whiplash. Mm. Um, they voted on it. They said, let's see that. So we watched it. And to my surprise, the kids, they took to the movie so hard. No kidding. They just, the next day, they're coming in. It, we, I think we had to watch it over three days because it was a very long movie. Yeah, it's pretty long. 
um, the next day they're coming like, oh, I went home and I was watching the videos. You know, Freddie this and Freddie that. No and shit. And they're, like, they're talking about Freddie just with his first name, which is like pretty awesome. Yeah. That's um, great. We watched the movie. He's made great strides. We had great conversations about it. Like these kids were actually curious about it. Um, so much so that what they wanted to do for their uh, spring concert, we did a medley. We pretty much recreated the Live Aid, uh, the Live Aid concert. Sure. Um, t- all 20 minutes of it. Wow. You know, we start with Rhapsody into whatever the next songs were. Um, so the movie, maybe it's like a kind of glorified VH1, sort of like Hall Eve? of Fame-y Type of thing. I think you've nailed I it. I literally said that Ro- Rocket Man makes Bohemian Rhapsody look like VH1 behind the music. Well, it it does, right? Yeah. But it succeeded in doing what Engaging I, what I the think younger Brian audience. May w- was hoping is that it, it introduced Freddie Mercury, his legacy, yeah. and Queen's music to a new to new audience. And you know what? That's a really excellent point There's because a lot of my students and you can't hate on that. Did the same. No. You cannot you at cannot all. Cannot hate on that. Sa- my students did the same thing. I always forget how fucking old I am, you know? And that like, I'm like, oh, such a PG, PG 13. Yeah. Whatever. You know what? They're not making these for us. They're not. You (laughs) You know know what I mean? They're not making Star Wars for us. You gotta, you gotta like, just take a step back and go, it's weird because we're in like a weird spot, but you gotta go, you know, your time has fucking passed for this to be 100% directed at you, enjoyable for you because you're used to that. Right. That's the thing. And then when you look at this, you know what? I I saw the same thing with my students. You're absolutely yeah. right. They were singing it. You, I mean, literally in the halls, you'd hear harmonizing yeah. fucking Dude, Bohemian Rhapsody. It was right. like, like I oh, was in high wow. school. I'm hearing kids singing Bohemian Rhapsody. Like, that's yeah. what I did 25 and fucking years ago in high school. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Um, Who would have thought? Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely no, that's wonderful. That's, that's, a great, that's a great and very positive point. Yeah. So do you have any final thoughts? We're out of time on music. So. Yeah. Uh, Queen's great. I don't like live records period <laughs> i love live records i think perhaps uh live records i love live records <laughs> <laughs> but i will say did i fuck it up again no, no. you got it <laughs> but but I'll, but I'll say the thing about this one is this was one probably one of the first live records that i listened to and i think um i think that's governing my appreciation of it that much because i bet if i listen to it later on tonight i'm gonna go oh that that was a Shitty mix. <laughs> I I love Queen. Um, I really enjoy hearing them live in this capacity. I don't know how I never listened to this before. Um, Dude, I just they, didn't. It's they, just they so have, much they faster. Have I love it. Three thousand albums. Um, I gotta agree with the initial review. I think it just uh, not completely. There was please, something geez. something. The reviews brutal. There's a certain je ne sais quoi. Yeah. That wasn't a quite. He's there a movie for me. man now. Let me ask you one last thing. Let me ask you one last thing. From the muddy banks of Wishcock. Yeah. What do you think about that? Ooh, I feel similarly. Okay, then we're on the same page. Nirvana, live album from the muddy banks of Wishcock. Not people loved. Not so good though. Not good. Hmm. Yeah. Not good. I never heard. I'd it. take this over that. I don't think I've heard a live Nirvana album. I mean, other than Unplugged. Uh, I have a Halloween one that we can listen to, and it's good. It's good. Yeah, and I think a lot of it just really comes down to capturing the room, and that's so you got behind the difficult. Board? So you got difficult the board, for a live yeah. show. Absolutely. Um, so, I anyway. think I, I I tap into the essence of this one, which is harder, faster, 
which is why I love live albums because it and and inventive too. It's not the planned thing that you hear. It's not the polished thing that you hear. They're doing different sure. things. They're experimenting, and that's what I love. And I think about that's what I appreciate album. the most about about it was hearing the uh, how do you recreate these things live. You have a song where literally, especially they even say it in the movie, the audience can participate. Boom, boom, tss, boom, boom, and they go. Fuck that. And they don't even do that. We're going to do it a thousand times faster because this is our show yeah. and we're going to entertain you, hmm. which is like song two. I, I will say. <laughs> like, let us entertain you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Love of my life is beautiful. Yeah. That is, uh, that's the high, that, that's, that's the best that this album can do. And Yeah, yeah. it's beautiful. It is. Positive. Right. Well, um, listen, don't stop us now. We'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I've been saving that for fucking oh, 20 minutes. I know. He seemed like he was on the edge of his fucking seat. Did you see that? I was like, what? I thought he had to take a shit. Nope. He had a fucking queen pun lined up. We're having such a good time. We'll see you in a minute. And we're back uh, with a with a quick little bit of info from our good buddy Tom Bannon. The vocals were not exclusively Freddie in Bohemian Rhapsody. It was Freddie, Rami, and then like a dude in the middle melding the three. And that's why it looked pretty seamless on screen, Let's I guess. Let's call it 95, 3, and 2. <laughs> <laughs> One cool. would guess. Yeah, I, yeah. I doubt it's like a 33 split. Yeah. yeah. Um, nice. So awesome. That. That'll wrap up our our yeah. music section. Now we are jumping into wrapping up the amendment. The old Anderson Valley Summer Solstice. This is a very recognizable beer. I'll be perfectly honest. This is one that shows up all the time at your backyard barbecues during the summer. Oh no, Should I ain't never seen a bear with fucking classic on it. orange. <laughs> it's got a blue rim, classic orange background, and a bear with elk antlers. And good for them because they were not always as uh, ubiquitous. Oh, it was uh, all right. So they were were they super like small, oh, crafty? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, elk antlers run the opposite direction. So, so let me let me uh, read right just a little bit about this. <laughs> um, as maybe our longtime listeners know, uh, I worked at a craft beer bar for a very long time, one of the the original craft beer bars in Philadelphia. And we had Anderson oh, Valley. Oh, yeah. Friend in the Academy. Original Manayunk. craft beer bar. Braggadocious, <laughs> motherfucker. He's uh, got that braggadocio. <laughs> um, so I knew of Anderson Valley. <clears throat> and back in 2010 or 11, I visited uh, my now wife when she was living in California. We took a road trip going up to Fort Bragg, California. There's a beach there called Glass Beach in, uh, I think, in Mendocino, if I'm not mistaken. Where Timberland boots are made. So if you <laughs> if you can go to Fort Bragg in California, there's a beach and a little, little sidebar here. A long time ago, people put all their trash on the beach. Then they said no more. Over years, the ocean recycled it, and all the glass washed, but washed back up on the beach, and it's smooth. The beach is made of glass. Oh shit! I thought you meant like it was dangerous. No, no, people. That's really that's cool. That's why I said the people, Timberland boot thing. So people removed all of the glass. There's very few glass pieces now, but for a while it was like a, a kaleidoscope, 
Anyway, wow, so we were on our fucking awesome. Jesus. Yeah. See, we, pollution works. <laughs> <laughs> we were on our way to Fort Bragg to Glass Beach, and we're driving down the road, and big sign on the side of the road, Anderson Valley Brewing, and I was like, what? Jerked the wheel, <laughs> and I was like, we're going there. And uh, we went in, and we had beers, and it's where we were introduced to the summer solstice. So you were in oh, Boonville, California. Yes. I so your house is called Fort Bragg. Crack that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's give him a minute. Nicely. Oh, fire today, oh, folks. Hey, Jesus. hey, hey, hey. Well, whip, whip, Nicely done. <laughs> yeah, I drink Holy three yellow shit. bellies, and yeah. here I am. Yellow hmm. belly lubia. Yeah, he's got two two jokes. Nicely. <laughs> that was that was good though. Shit. Let's crack that beer, wise guy. Here we go. All right, here we go. Smart ass. Ah. Let's give that a pour. So Anderson Valley Brewing Company was founded in 1987 by David Norfleet and Kim and Ken Allen. At the time, it was one of just 20 craft breweries in the United States. The original 10-barrel brew house was designed and installed by owner and original brewer David Norfleet, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So this is from one of the original craft brewers. I Nick and I just drank it while you were speaking yeah. and looked at our each other in, in astonishment. glorious astonishment. It is like complete disbelief. So, so fucking good. Fucking good. It's cre- You're not expecting it's it. It's like I drank a marshmallow. Yes. Not even kidding. No, like, yes. Like that sweetness that, but it's not, I don't want to say marshmallow because people don't like marshmallows because they're so sweet, but it's got that. It's campfire Oh, God damn it. It's good. It's yeah. not, oh, Jesus. This is one of the best beers we've had on the show. No, Period. no, it's great. Without a doubt. That's why I brought Without it. Without a doubt. Period. Fuck. <laughs> I, I don't know what, what to say. I, I really am. I'm at a loss. <laughs> this I wish amazing. we would have filmed Nick and I looking at one another across Fuck. the table. Because we took the sip and went, what the fuck just happened? I forget what beer mouth. we used to have at the bar, but it was not the summer solstice. So when Ellie and I were, were traveling and we visited the brew what pub, the flavor profile? we had, I was driving, so I only had a little, a halfy of that. And we were what just both like, man. what the? Is he bragging about that too? Was he really not that <laughs> I'm responsible? I'm so responsible. <laughs> I'm so very responsible. And a glass of water. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even pee on the side of the road. Sorry, I'm driving. I don't want to kill myself <laughs> yeah. and maybe somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Apologies for being responsible. Yeah. This um So talk to me what about is the cuz I'm trying to figure it out right now. There's a sweet it's definitely it's almost as if you know have you, have you ever tasted the wort when you're brewing mm-hmm. a beer and you and the wort is really sweet, right? Do you know what yeah. I'm talking I do. Right? Yeah. So it almost tastes like somehow they were able to retain the essence of the wort from the malt, but it's not malty. It's not malty, which it's is like crazy. It's caramelness to it, it, right? Yes. yes, that's a great, that's a great and very accurate way to say it. I'm trying to determine because I'm not getting the, well because you know how you get like an, sounds on the mic, <laughs> <laughs> an overload of citrus sometimes with these yes. summer beers, yeah, summer, often summer dislike, wheats um, and summer ales yep. and things like that. There's over this, yeah. there's this overload of it's as if they're trying to make a shandy and they just don't want to go full bore, and they they just go we'll put a bunch of citrus it's in. The anti shandy. It's the anti shandy. Yeah, because <laughs> the shandy's not a the shandy's not a real beer. 
No, right? it's a shandy. They can't call it a beer because it's like it's mostly juice. Yeah, it's a shandy. Yeah. Um, so here's mm, from drunk off juice beer <laughs> from beer <laughs> advocate. <laughs> uh, our summer solstice seasonal ale is a slightly sweet malty session beer. Malty with a creamy mouthfeel and creamy cream finish. mouthfeel. That's what gets me. That yeah, yeah it's nice, right? That's it's amazing. Yeah. With hints of caramel in the nose and a touch of spice, it's become affectionately known as cream soda for adults. Fuck, that's accurate. That's exactly that's what accurate. it is. I'm glad somebody else wrote it. Oh, my God. We're in no state to accurately describe this beer. That's what euphoria will do to you, folks. Well, friends, if you like the uh, summer solstice, where the fuck wait, can I get this? Wait until the winter comes around and you get the winter solstice. Well, we're obviously going to do it on the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if this has knocked our socks into the next room. Yeah. Jesus. Blew my cock off. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Greenwell. <laughs> See what you did, Greenwell? But and this was this was talked about off off uh cast, but that is such a like we said, just only written word, <laughs> right? Like your buddies didn't say that growing up. Like that's a word, word that cock. you read. Yeah. 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 And it's damn. everywhere. It's <laughs> in, everywhere. In Anytime it's yeah. Unless it, it, like a doctor is is yeah. diagnosing the you. The doctor's not saying take your cock out. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Let's, have, said, a unless. At, let's have a look at your cock. All right. Well, let me let me yeah. let me filly this. Uh, this beer will kick your dick off. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> your balls will be in your throat, dude. Um, yeah. So that's been. A long I don't know time what favorite. else to say. I think that's a that's a that's yeah. a really good description. This is fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. Every summer, I always get Ellie a couple of six packs. It's one of her favorites. Um, in the winter, get her the winter solstice. Nice. I thought she was a, a, a cider well man like yourself. No, no, she drinks uh, all beers. So is Anderson Valley similar to Flying Dog in that they've been around for about the same time and they're growing at the same rate? Or is Anderson Valley very – what I would like Anderson Valley to be just – this is the only beer I've had from them, I think. I think it might have had a weird goza. They do have a summer goes. It's a red can. I think I had that. It's like that can. And I wasn't red. like overwhelmed yeah. as I am. Like this is blowing my socks into the next room. Yeah. Um, do they are they like are they like uh, like masters of these few brews? Or are they like the Flying Dog where they they they're like really expanding so, and always making many more? Uh, beers. They they make a few, and I've. I've had most of them. They have like an amber ale, a pale ale, and so they have your stout. standbys. Your yeah, um, but I don't, th- I don't think we get them all out here. I remember again, we're going back eight years ish when I was at the brewery, and they had a map of where the distribution was, and it was not far reaching. We ju- we were just lucky that we we got some of the stuff. Well, to be honest, um, you know, the Union Jack was, it was one ch- of the first changed. craft brew bars. In the city, for sure. No, sure. Daniel didn't work. mention that yet. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, you, well, yeah. How we've been recording from Fort Bragg, I think. We're, we're, we're <laughs> so you yeah, made it more. I got that deep beer laugh now. They <laughs> <laughs> do have a lot of uh, your usual suspects, <laughs> but lead singer of fucked up. <laughs> the solstice, <laughs> the solstice is is the go to when they come out. It absolutely is. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. I, I can't suggest this more. I don't know what more to say other than this is one of the best. This has to be top three. No, this is my least. favorite This summer is the beer. favorite one we've favorite. done. So they say it's oh, very the show. I was saying on the show, this oh, has to be top three on the show. Uh, easy top three. Yeah. But this is the best 
summer themed beer I ever can, can I counter? I'm not gonna counter. Can I finish? Can, can I finish? <laughs> can, can, can Let me. I just want to add to the list one that's delicious that doesn't exist anymore. The Brooklyn Pennant Ale was a fantastic beer. summer beer. Son of a bitch. So good. It was like the 1955 Brooklyn Pennant Ale because the Brooklyn Dodgers were there in 55. I guess they won the pennant. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Delicious beer. This is better than it, hmm. but I would say those two would Could be my one and two for the summer. Could you drink a bunch of these, though? It's pretty malty. That's so, actually a good point. Yeah. They call it a session. At 5%, is 5% that a session? 5% for session. I right. think so too. I think yeah. sessions, yeah, sessions like anything four. below yeah. five, right? Yeah. So I, I would probably stop at two. Yeah, because it's it's, it's all up in there, and I can already feel it now mm-hmm. sticking. Yeah, the, the fact mouth. that I haven't finished it yet, and I think it's so delicious. Yes, is a really strong marker because you can't have. A, I think you're right. Actually, how two. many cream yeah. sodas are you going to drink? 15, 16. <laughs> 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 Depends on if I'm meeting the president or not. Yeah. <laughs> God, yeah, no, no yeah. that's a good, that's a good point. I'd probably cap it at two. Yeah, but you know what? Yeah, like I Virgil's swear to God, cream soda. I would this love is... a frosted pint. Oh of yeah, this. yeah, it's really nice. All right, let's wrap it up. Yes, gents. Um, I hope it was a wonderful month for everyone. I love that we live in a city that is progressive and open-minded, and this is uh, a prideful, prideful month. Yeah. People should stay alive, right? We shouldn't lose people because there's ignorance that exists in our world. That's something that I wanted to just wrap up with because that's um, a very present thing, and it's unfortunate that it still exists in fucking 2019. So let's celebrate innovators like Queen. Let's celebrate... High art. High art. High art. <laughs> and... uh and do it all while drinking some delicious beer. Yeah, cheers to that. I give the story one, Roy G. Biv. <laughs> I give the album four, Roy G. Bivs. Oh, okay. <laughs> and the beer, seven out of seven, Roy G. Bivs. I wish I would have known the know scale, the scale before was. he started. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea what the scale was. I think uh, it's okay. a low. I think it's low on the on the. Sto- I give the story. Um, 3.5 Roy G. Bibbs. <laughs> I'll give the album 5.5 Roy G. Bibbs. And I'll give the beer half a color? At least <laughs> eight Roy G. Bibbs. <laughs> but there's, there's only seven, seven, right? Yeah, yeah, no, that's why I did it. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, these go to 11. Um, I was. Uh, why didn't you? I was spinal. You went to eight. I was spinal tapping them. I don't know. Because they go to 10 in the. Whatever. Eight's more than seven. Yeah. It's true. It's yes. Um, I this was a, a very nice day. We didn't scream at each other like last time. Yeah, <laughs> so. we got very angry at one another. Yeah, and uh, the, and the audience did not hear ninety percent of it. No one listened to it. A lot of edit. Thank God. A lot of editing. Thank God. I think it because no one listened to it. Right. Yeah. That too. Eric said nothing <laughs> <laughs> about the anger. Okay, let's wrap it up, folks. Uh, do us a favor. Check us out on social media at facebook.com slash book record beer podcast. Check us out on Twitter at book record beer and on Instagram at book.record.beer. Don't forget to check out Daniel DeFranco's novel Panic Years from Tailwinds Press and my two 
books. Good grief. And this is from MaldenHouse.net. Make sure to check those things out. And we'll see you next month. He's Happy Pride Month, everybody. We'll see you next time. He's got the keys to my Airbnb for it, Brian. <laughs> <laughs>